Hi guys, so I am really loud and new to being up here. So if we haven't met, my name is Heather Seegers and I have been at One Life since it was Calvary Chapel in 2000 is when I first came here. And I actually used to work with Greg, wherever he is, there he is, um, at the University of Washington and I briefly worked with Dan Seegers, my husband. Um, but it has been 15 years since then, and since the last time I gave a sermon and wore an awkward microphone, so we're just going to give a little extra grace. Um, so I want to take a second and pray for us before we start. God, thanks for this time together this morning, and I pray that you would help me not to think about myself and being nervous, but just to hear from you, and I pray that for all of us, that you would speak to us this morning and help us to hear your voice and um, what you want to do in us, and we just thank you that you are here with us, and we love you. Amen. Um, so I'm not quite sure how this circle thing works, guys. Um, <laughs> So my talk today is about solitude and community. Um, last week, Dave, t uh, Dave, Greg talked about um, prayer and action. I'm not sure what we're talking about next week, but it'll be good, so you should come. Um, so at first glance, when I thought about this, like solitude and community seemed kind of like weird opposites, like solitude is being alone and community is being with people. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I really... Um, got kind of excited to talk about it, and um, the more I realized how much that they really go together, that they feed into each other, and um, that all of us really need both of them. Um, some of us might need more of one than the other in our personalities. I know I lean a lot more towards the solitude. My husband leans more towards the community part of it, but I think that we can really experience God in both of them, and so I want to talk more um, about both of them. And I want to talk about how building community and really caring for each other is born out of our times of solitude, um, that when we are alone with ourselves, when we're alone with who we are, um, alone with God and really vulnerable before him and letting him speak to us, that out of that time is how we really learn how to care for each other um, and be a real community. Um, okay, so first we're going to talk about solitude. And this was really hard for me to narrow this whole thing down into 30 minutes because I feel like this could be a year-long series. <laughs> um, and I had like 5,000 things I wanted to talk about, and um, my husband was really good at it, helping me like just narrow down on one thing and acknowledge that there's a whole lot more that we could talk about with solitude. And um, there was a, do you remember the name of that book? There's a really good book that we read in college about sacred pathways, is that it? Um, about how we um, can experience God in solitude in all kinds of different ways, kind of how our personality works. And I'm not gonna talk about that because I feel like it's something that gets talked about a lot and we're all a little bit familiar with already. So we're just gonna acknowledge that. Um, but what I want to focus on this morning is something that when I was preparing this kept coming back to me and I felt like God really wanted to speak to us this morning. Um, and that is about one of the reasons that I think that solitude can sometimes be hard for us. 
Um, and one of the reasons we sometimes avoid solitude or avoid being alone, and that is loneliness. Um, loneliness, I think, is something that everyone experiences at some point in their life and no one really talks about. Um, so we're going to talk about it this morning, like, pretty openly. Um, sometimes I think we avoid being alone because we are deeply lonely, and being alone can really remind us of that pain. Um, I think that loneliness has a lot of parts to it, but basically feeling a lack of connection with people, maybe that no one understands you or knows you. Um, and sometimes I think it can come from a feeling of being uncomfortable in our own skin, that maybe there's something that we need to deal with that we don't want to. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about like sin or things we do wrong, although it could be that, but I'm also talking about, like, this is what I call it with my kids, like the big scary emotions the kind of big stuff that is hard for us to face or deal with, um, maybe trauma that you've had in your past, or anger, jealousy, fear, um, grief even that you haven't faced, um, kind of that big scary stuff, anything that you're really scared to let yourself feel or even let other people see, um, including God. And this is where I think vulnerability comes in. It takes real vulnerability to deal with those big, scary emotions, being honest just with ourselves that they're there, um, and then being honest before God. And that's where solitude comes in, laying it out, um, being raw, um, letting God speak to us and minister to us in that. And, and then I think it also takes a vulnerability with people, of being willing to share that stuff with other people. Um, and we're going to talk more about that later, so we'll get there. And I know you guys are super excited to talk about vulnerability, because that's like the hot topic around the dinner table these days. Um, so I'm going to share with you guys something that my middle son and I, oh, he's not here. My middle son, Ian, and I have this like, this is so dorky, I probably shouldn't share this. Um, we do like hashtag whatever is our joke, and so... Um, this isn't a joke, though. I don't know why I shared that. Sorry. So we do hashtag life secrets, and these are things, there's probably like a handful of them. I think I should start numbering them, um, but I haven't yet. So I share these with them when I feel like stuff comes up where um, there's a moment to teach them something that is really important, but probably not most people get these moments. Um, and so I'm going to share a life secret with you. This is Seeger's life secret that I think is legit. Um, and that is that I think that everyone is lonely. I think that every single person on some level feels lonely um, at some point in their life deeper than others, but I think it's just a part of being human. Um, it's this weird thing that like no one can know your thoughts. Like, there are no mind readers, even though we watch a lot of superhero movies, and I always think that is the absolute worst superhero thing that you could get, is mind reading. Um, but it's not a thing. And there's even, when I was looking through stuff like this, there's even a scripture that talks about how no one can know a person's thoughts um, except his spirit. And so it's just this weird, unique thing to being human, that no one can truly understand what it's like to be you. 
Um, and there's a loneliness, I think, to that that makes loneliness a little bit universal. Um, and I think one of the lies that seeks to isolate us even more um, is that feeling that we are alone in our loneliness, that everyone else looks happy, they have a bunch of friends, like their marriage is really amazing, um, their kids are really good. Uh, but you can never really know what's going on in people's heads unless they tell you. And um, so I just want to, like, lay that out there. Um, so I hope that's a comfort to you. I know it is to me, and I have to remind myself of that. Of that. Um, and although loneliness is universal, I think there are times in our lives where it can go a lot deeper and get to the point where even when we're surrounded by people that we feel deeply lonely and alone. Um, and just to be clear, I'm not talking about like clinical depression. I think that's really different. I've been there and that's kind of a different topic. So I just wanted to be sure that was out there. Um, but I'm talking more about loneliness, of a, a feeling of a lack of connection with other people. Um, and I think that there's a lot of hope in it because I think there's something that we can do about it. Um, but what it takes is real, um, raw vulnerability, and that's really hard. So, um, so we're going to talk about vulnerability. Like I said, this is exciting. Um, and we're going to talk about a TED Talk, which is also odd. But who has heard a TED Talk or, like, heard of TED Talks? Okay. So they're talks by this guy named Ted. He's really cool. Just kidding. Um, I don't even know. TED stands for something. But there's an, an app that you can do or you can just YouTube. And these are just talks by people that are experts in their field of, like, a huge variety of topics. But one of the most popular TED Talks is by... Um, a lady named Brene Brown. I think she's a clinical psychologist. Does anyone know? I'm right. Okay. Um, and her talk is called The Power of Vulnerability, and I think it's in, like, the top 10 um, most popular TED Talks, which I think is kind of um, cool. Um, and she talks about how we all long for connection, um, but we let our fear of vulnerability hold us back from connection, that feeling that is there something in me that if people knew it, I wouldn't be worthy of connection? That feeling that I am not enough, that I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not social, outgoing enough, whatever, you know, that's really different um, for each of us. But that feeling that we aren't enough, that if, um, but she talks about how if we want connection, and I think community um, comes out of connection, that we have to be vulnerable, that's, that's, non-negotiable. Um, we have to allow ourselves to be seen and known, um, even the messy parts that aren't fun to share or even see sometimes. Um, and I think that's first by God, and that's where solitude um, comes in, being honest about our thoughts and our feelings and our big scary emotions, um, asking him to heal us, to make us new. Um, and then I think accepting that we are enough, that he knows all our stuff, that he loves us completely, that we are worthy of love and belonging because of him. Um, and I want to take it another step further and say I think we also need to be vulnerable with each other. Um, and we are going to talk about that um, too tonight. Um, but first I wanted to share a scripture that is really 
meaningful me to me and speaks to that sense of loneliness. Um, they're probably the loneliest time in my life was in my teenage years, which I know is not unique to being a teenager. Um, but there was a lot going on, and it was the time I felt just the most deeply alone. And um, I hadn't really been to church very much, and my friend brought me to church, and I started going with her. And I thought they were like giant weirdos. There was a lot of hand raising and saying weird things. And I thought they were so weird, but I kept going because it was the one place that I really started to feel like I wasn't so alone. And I, don't, I didn't really realize at the time what it was, but I think it was really God's presence and being in the midst of his people that um, that feeling of loneliness started to lift for me. And there was a scripture that was really um, meaningful then and still is, <clears throat> and it's, um, I think Angie, oh, Angie, you're so on top of things. It's Psalm um, 139, 1 through 14, and you guys, this is my Bible from when I was in high school, and look, there's like leaves in it. I don't even remember where from, and I underlined every single word pretty much in it, and it makes me happy, um, and it flips right to the psalm, so I must really like it. So I'm going to read it. It's a lot, and you can read along. Oh my gosh, you guys, 43 is hard. <laughs> okay. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before you've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Um, so I love this. That really speaks to me that God already knows all of our mess um, even better probably than we do, um, that he is down in the dirt with us, that he sees us, that he can take our pain, and he's just waiting for you to share it with him. Um, and in solitude, in these times alone, you're never actually alone, that he is right there with you waiting. Um, and so I want to take a moment, if this is speaking to you, I don't want to just move on past it to talk about community. I want to take a few minutes to um, pray and let listen, um, find solitude in the midst of all these people. Um, so I want you, during, we're going to play something, and don't play it yet. Um, but while it's playing, I want you to pray about all of this and just be honest with yourself. If you feel like you do avoid being alone or if you feel like God is speaking to you about something um, I want to tell you that it's time for you to deal with that stuff, to face it, to let God work in you, that you can do this. 
um, I know that you can do this. I know you've done hard things before. And um, the church and the people here today, that we can take your pain, that we can walk with you through this, that God can take your pain and walk with you. Um, And so um, while she's, okay, so what we're going to be watching is a spoken word poem. I feel like I'm just throwing all kinds of fun new things at you this morning. Um, So this is a spoken word poem, and it's by a woman named Amina Brown, and she's amazing, and I cry every time I hear anything by her. But I want you, um, just during it, to find your moment of solitude and let God speak to you, and then we're going to keep going and talking about community. So let's I'm going to take a drink of water. Take a look. Survey the damage. Review the debris, the things that didn't survive. Look closely at the ashes you come from. Remember how hard times can singe through just about everything. Assess what the flood and quake and sickness and death have stolen. Remember how the pain made you lift a life you never thought you had the strength to lift, gave you new muscles, made you just as strong as you are weak. Remember the time life wanted to fight you in a boxing match you never agreed to, punched you in the gut, hit you straight in the chest, stole the wind out the inside you. Remember rock bottom, how asphalt and concrete left tread marks on your cheeks, how you never thought your knees would find the strength to kneel and certainly not to stand and definitely not to walk and maybe never to run again you never thought you'd say much less live anything like the words get up but you did you survived you are here breathing remember the words they said how they punctured your skin made you bleed You applied pressure and yet continued to bleed, made you cry, made you doubt yourself, made you doubt God and goodness and grace. How you learned that truth be the best thread for suturing wounds, how time can turn a stitch into new skin. How in the old places of pain, new life can find its footing. How overcoming didn't show up in the clothes you thought it would, but you did. You overcame. You are here, breathing. Look out across the devastation. See the life that the fire missed. See the seeds always teaching us how and when and where to start over. How to poke a limb through the dirt. How to soak up rain. How to search for sun. How to grow a spine so strong that it bends through wind and storm but does not break. How to turn the veins of your palms up. How to preen and dance and find the light. How to study your trunk, limbs, branches, trace the scars and find them grooves. How your body is a quilt. How your skin is a storyteller. How your wrinkles and folds are a map uncolonized. How you found your North Star somewhere between your collarbone and your ribcage. How your voice becomes a stream that always finds its river. How your feet never fear a path never traveled. How your bones sing freedom. How they whisper, remember, you are here breathing. Um, you should YouTube her, Amina Brown. She has a bunch of amazing stuff. Um, but if God is speaking to you, I don't want that to stop here. I want you to find someone this week and share what God has been talking to you about to hold on to that and don't lose it. Um, but we're going to keep going. So, um, 
out of solitude and what we've been talking about, I think, is where real community is born. Realizing that we all experience loneliness, uh, we need to be vulnerable, and when we do take those moments to be, be vulnerable, to let God speak to us and work in us, that is when we can develop real connections with each other and community. So again, community can be like a year-long series, and there's so many parts to it. Um, so I just honed in on two parts. I want to talk about um, first what it looks like to care for people, like practically, and then um, some more practicals of how we can create some safe spaces for connection with each other, for community to happen. Um, so first we're going to talk about caring for each other. So the word care from, comes from the word lament, which I thought was so cool, because really caring for each other is lamenting with each other, is entering into um, each other's pain. Um, and I think you might even need to deal with your own pain and feel it first before you can truly enter into someone else's. Um, I think, I mean, think back, you know, it really means a lot when you're hurting to talk with someone who's been down that road before and who has um, not just wisdom to share, but a hug to give because they know what it's like. Um, but that really only works when you have let yourself feel it. Um, I think in our society, we really fear each other's pain. Um, and I think a part of it is that it brings up stuff that we haven't probably fully dealt with and that we're scared of. Um, so again, that goes back to the importance of solitude and vulnerability. Um, so uh, this is hard for me to share, but I'm going to be vulnerable. Um, this week is the 20th anniversary of when my dad passed away. Um, so I was 23. I was very young. And most of my friends, I mean almost all, hadn't dealt with a significant loss before and just really didn't know what to do with me. And um, a, lot of, a lot of people kind of avoided me. Um, not on purpose, I don't think realizing what they're doing, but I'm sure you've experienced this. But there were people, and I found myself seeking out those people that really gave me the freedom to um, be real and raw with how I was feeling and like actually asked me how I was doing. My mom, who's here, is one of them. And actually Dan, who we barely knew each other, I still remember being in his kitchen and him asking me how I was doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, no one ever asked me um, because they're scared of the answer. Um, so I think I learned early on that importance of just letting people be scary and share that scary stuff. And um, I'm going to share a bonus life secret. I don't even remember. Yeah, well, yeah, this is when I was going to share it with you. Um, okay, bonus life secret. You probably know this deep down, but I think it doesn't come out in practical life very much. Um, when people are experiencing some kind of a significant loss, and not just someone's death, but there are so many kinds of loss, and miscarriage and uh, divorce, loss of job, I mean, there's a lot. But when people are really, like, in the midst of that, it is always at the front of their mind. And I think people are scared to bring it up because they don't want to remind someone of the person that they lost or the pain that they're feeling. But 
Um, bonus life secret, it's there. You're not reminding them. Um, and by asking about it, you're giving them permission to talk about the stuff that they've been scared to talk about because most people won't let them. Um, and that is such a gift um, to give. And I want you to be that person that will ask them about the scary stuff. Um, and they'll tell you if they don't want to talk about it. And, you know, then you can just hug them. You can tell them, you know, I don't understand what you're going through. Um, I don't really know what to say, but I love you anyway. And I'm here for you however you need me to be here. And it's going to be super awkward and uncomfortable. And so we're just going to, like, be okay with that because that's, like, how we feel. And even their awkwardness is okay. Um, they need you to ask them and give that permission. Um, I know that you guys care, and I know that you love people, and I just want to, you know, recognize now while we're talking about it that it takes sacrifice and it takes super awkward conversations and being uncomfortable and even, like, facing your own pain and letting yourself um, feel that and walk with people through that. Um, and I guess in that, in giving care to people, part of caring for people is um, receiving care. And sometimes this is even harder for some people. But I think real connection takes a mutual vulnerability. That phrase is so hard to say. You should try it. I cannot ever get it. Okay, mutual vulnerability. It takes like also trusting other people with who you are and your pain and that they might say something dumb and that's okay. Um, it's um, like think about when someone trusted you with something that was going on that was hard for you and how it takes the friendship from like here just way down to here in this deeper, that seems maybe it's here, like a, just a deeper um, level and it feels like a gift to me when people share it feels like a gift of trust and um, so we need to also give um, that gift um, okay so connection takes all of this stuff that we've been talking about it takes the solitude of being vulnerable and facing the scary stuff and laying it out before God it also takes that mutual vulnerability of being real with each other um, entering into each other's pain. I mean, frankly, it's kind of simple, but it's really, really hard. Um, so I wanted to talk about some practicals of like how we build community, how we can create the connections that are going to start out surfacey, but get to the place where we can really like go deeper. Um, but it takes like getting people together and it takes like going out for walks or doing stuff um, to be able to get to those deeper places. Um, so here's what we're going to, okay. So here's how I think of it. I think of like who needs connection, like who and how. Like who in my life needs more connection, like what people are my around, like what are different communities of people. Um, that God has put in my life. And then also thinking of how, like how can I get people together? What do I like? What am I good at? Um, what do I enjoy? Um, 
For me, I love to build community around the dinner table or the lunch table or not really breakfast doesn't happen often, but around the table. Like I think there's something really like vulnerable about inviting people into your space um, and like not feeling like you have to be Martha Stewart. That probably dates me. I don't know who the current Martha Stewart is. No one else does either. Okay, so you know, not feeling like you have to be perfect, um, but letting people see like your craziness of your house and your family um, takes a vulnerability that I think people appreciate. I actually wasn't gonna. This is not in my notes, but last weekend uh, some friends came over, and one of them was someone I didn't know, but she knew me online, and um, she was like. I like felt comfortable coming to your house because on your videos sometimes you show your messy kitchen. Don't tell Dan, sorry. Um, But seriously, she was like, I just feel like, oh, my kitchen's always a mess and I'm scared to have people over. And I was like, I know that you'll be cool because you're okay with like being real and showing the craziness in your life and my life is totally crazy too. And I think there's like, you know, something to that. Sometimes we're scared to, like, invite people over because we don't want them to see that. But when they see that, they just see that you're a real person because they have a messy kitchen, too, because we all eat. So just putting that out there. Um, And I also love food. Like, I think people really relax around food. There's just something universal about eating together. And it also is easier because you're, like, eating for part of it. And you can, you know, to make small talk if you don't know each other. Um... So well, so like inviting people over and ordering pizza if you're not into cooking or like making tacos or not feeling like you have to make a huge, beautiful meal because it's not about like how great of a host you are. It's about like the connections that we're making. So trying to help us get past our nervousness of inviting people over. Um, I actually, so... Jessica and I, was this last year, we went to see Jen Hatmaker, was that last Christmas, Um, talk, and she's just someone who, she has a podcast too, which I recommend, and this book is called For the Love, Um, she's a writer, and she just, she talks a lot about building community, and in her podcast, she's mainly just sharing stories of different women in all kinds of different ways that work to build community where they're at, Um, so she's sort of inspired Um, me a lot in this space. So I wanted to read something that she says about this out of here because she says things really well. Okay. Um, Loneliness can be, oh, see, loneliness. Loneliness can be a prison, but we have the keys. You needn't wait for someone to open the bars. If you can make a pot of chili and use a cell phone, then you can create community. If you want to wait until your house is perfect and you aren't nervous, then just forget it. This is an imperfect apparatus, thank goodness. It requires people with true faces courageously being seen. There is no alternative to genuine connection. We have the keys, you guys. They look like tables and couches, beef stew and crusty French bread. They include patio chairs and music, football on the TV and cold beer. They involve a a simple email invite for Friday night and burgers on the grill. They say, bring your kids and we'll lock them all in the backyard with popsicles. They live in Florida, so, or no, Texas, yeah. So, I don't know, we'll lock them in the basement with popsicles. (laughs) The keys include good questions and good listening around a fire pit. Again, Texas. 
They certainly contain stories and laughter. They don't require fussing or fluffing, so don't let anything stop you because a messy kitchen only tells me that someone cares enough to feed me, which is a good key. Instead of waiting for community, provide it, and you'll end up with it anyway. Um, she's good. She's good, you guys. Um, okay, so we're ready to make some connections. Like We're ready to deal with our stuff, to reach out with, to each other, and to work on this. So I just wanted to close by talking about some ideas of like practical stuff we can do. And... Um, so I'm going to, I don't, like, what time is it? I don't know how close I am to time. I'll, I'll just throw out some ideas, and you guys can brainstorm after in your little groups, because I think that I talk too long. Um, but I was thinking through, like, different groups of people and, like, things we can do with those different groups, but really they kind of relate to all the groups. So one of the groups of people I thought of is neighbors. Like, I know we only really know our neighbors that also have kids or, like, in a similar space in life. And um, so we've been talking about doing, like, a Sunday night um, potluck and just inviting people over. And specifically, I was thinking a lot about the neighbors. Like, our next-door neighbors have never been over for dinner. They've only been in our house, like, when we had issues. <laughs> Um, so just inviting people over for a potluck, I like that because it's like easy and people love to contribute and so it makes people feel more comfortable sometimes. Um, something, oh, something I did last year was just, I just started inviting um, like the ladies down my street to go for a walk and I was like amazed how into this people were because we all feel like we should exercise and some of us are better than others and I'm bad, but um, it, it's something that we already feel like we should be doing, and it's easier, like, when you don't know someone to be walking and, like, have awkward conversation than just sitting across from each other over coffee. And um, that, I think, works really well for us. Um, and something that was in this book or was somewhere else, I don't know, someone talked about uh, a lady who she just like got a picnic table and stuck it out in our front yard and she would just hang out there purposefully to try to chat with the neighbors because, you know, people are always walking by and we don't usually chat and that was like an easy way to kind of chat and like get them to come to your table and hang out. Um, something for school is a big community for me because I have school-age kids. Um, and last year, and again, it's so cold here. It's hard for me because you can't do a lot of stuff outside, <laughs> except in the summer. But last spring and early fall, we would meet at the flagpole on Fridays, like moms, and go walk around the neighborhood. And especially stay-at-home moms, especially if they have young kids, love to go for walks. So um, we did that, and people, like, freaked out over that. And um, so that was really easy. Um, we also do, I do PTA, and we also, am I allowed to say this? We go out for happy hour after PTA, um, and that, like, now people, like, that have graduated still come to happy hour on, like, the first Tuesday of the month at 9 because it was such a great um, time. Uh, Dan, okay, work. Uh, Dan is, like, great at, if you know my husband, he's great at, like connecting with people and building connections. He loves to like get people from all different parts of his life together. And um, so with work, he's looking at me like, why are you talking about me? 
Um, at work he does, I'm probably going to say whatever you do wrong, but is that every Friday or maybe they do like a video conference on Friday at 4.30, I think, and they just kind of hang out on Zoom, which is like video conferencing, um, and like not talking work, just like a hangout time, but he works remotely, and so it's like people from all over um, doing this, which I think is cool because it's hard to develop community with people you're not like in person with, and he's good at that. Um, and then I was asking him about this, like, what do you think are the big things at work? And he said the biggest thing he thinks, God, this is hard not to trip, is um, like just asking people in those moments when you're going to get coffee or you're like walking past them in the hall, like, hey, how are you doing? How, how is this going? Or just those moments not feeling like you always have to be talking about work, but being willing to like check in with people and care for people in those moments. Um, is powerful, and I mean, he knows people that he worked with like 50,000 years ago, and they still like connect. It's crazy, so you should talk more with him about this, um, and also like just doing lunch together. I know for me that has worked like easy, um, and something I was thinking about church and like how we um, develop community at church, and something that was really powerful for me when I first started coming here, we didn't have kids yet, um, but we used to go out for lunch after church, and uh, like a lot of the people that I still know are from those lunch days, when we used to go to Kona Kitchen, they're my people, um, and that is just an easy, like, Thing. And also small groups, and I think we were also in small group together. The um, cores is, I like it because someone else plans it, and all you have to do is show up. That's beautiful. Um, so that's like an easy kind of way for you to enter in. Um, okay, so those are just a few examples. Um, I want you guys to keep talking about this. Actually, I want the worship team to come up first. I knew I was going to forget. Um, and I want you guys to keep, like, talking about this and brainstorming after, like, talk with your family or your friends on the way home, like, the rest of the week. And I have an assignment for you. Um, okay. So are you guys ready? So I want you um, to pick one thing. I don't want you to be overwhelmed by, like, Community is a huge topic, and there are like 10,000 people in your life who need you. But if you're like me, then that you make 10,000 plans, and you do them for a week, and then you don't do anything again. So I want us to just pick one thing that we can do, and I want us to like put it into motion this week um, to start building connections with some people in our lives. So um, that's your assignment, and we can pray about it while... Um, they play a song, um, and, oh, you know what, and I, last thing, um, this is library time, the, like I said, there was so much I wanted to talk about, and so many good books, so I'm just going to tell you, if you're a book reader like me, Brene Brown is the person who does the TED Talk on vulnerability, and this is her book called Daring Greatly, so good, Jen Hatmaker, whatever book she wrote is good. This one, I wanted to read the whole book to you guys. It's called Out of Solitude. Do you remember reading it in college? We read it in college, but I've read it like 100 times since then. And look, it's like two pages long. 
And you, could, you should get it on Amazon. I want everyone to get it on Amazon. And this is just um, so good. It basically is all the stuff we talked about today, but like by an old monk, but so good. So you should Amazon that too. Henry Nowen, um, Out of Solitude. Um, okay, so Brian's going to play for us, and you guys are going to pray. <laughs>